I hope you're strapped in and strapped on. Am I saying that right? Didn't teach me that queer sex is a possibility. There's nothing going in, so how does it work? My life didn't start to that penis literally shattered my pussy. You're the only person that can define your identity, and there's no right or wrong answer. All right, I'll do my little spiel and we'll get going. Y'all. Yay. All right. <laughs> it's a party in here. It's a pride party uh, on that note. Thanks, Tim. Um, <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome back to Sexistentialist. Uh, it's Pride Month. And I wanted to chat with some of my favorite queer folks in the space. Um, so I'm joined not by one or two guests today, but by three whole guests. Hey, everyone. Welcome. Hi, gay. Happy Pride Month. <laughs> Hello. Um, let's take some time. That was Tim, but I will uh, let's, I will suggest that um, we all go around and uh, share our names, uh, kind of what podcast we're affiliated with, any other kind of identifying uh, traits you'd like to share with our listeners, and then we'll, we'll kick off with some pride related questions i can start nice thanks ellie i'm ellie i use she and her pronouns i co-host embarrassed to ask um and then i'm i guess also a queer sex educator living in chicago so i teach sex ed close to full-time though it's the summertime god bless um and i don't know i'm excited to be here it's fun to be on a podcast that's not my own (laughs) Feels like less work somehow. Fair enough. Like going to a hookups kind of bedroom yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. Less preparation. You just like show up and do the thing. Just pits and pubes, and you're good to go, right? Exactly. Perfect description. Uh, okay, I guess I'll go next since I'm talking already. Hello, everybody. My name is Tim. I am the host of the Sex and With Tim podcast based in Toronto, Canada. I am a certified sex educator. I identify as a chaotic homosexual, and my pronouns are cum dump or piss pig or uh, <laughs> dirty whore. Uh, <laughs> you call me anything that you want, as long as I allow you to, or else it's not free of charge. Mm. Uh, and I teach sex ed mostly to LGBT plus people with a focus on pleasure, HIV AIDS awareness, and I come from a lens of harm reduction. So that means if you're partaking any sort of substances while you're partying or having sex, I don't want you to die. I just want you to have a good time. You know, make sure you use clean straws when you're doing your line of coke off that man's erection. And let's all just have a good time. Awesome. Thanks, Tim. Uh, well, I don't know how to follow that. I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> try my darndest. Um, this is Ari, and I am the host of the Sensual podcast, where I interview women, femmes, and uh, folks of marginalized genders about their best orgasm and about how sensuality is integral to their life, work, and joy. And that's coming back this summer. I got a grant for it. I am a grant winner. Yes. Okay, she's a winner. Ew. Yes, she's a queen. Yes, Ew. we got money so we can podcast Secure again. the bag. <laughs> yes, the bag is secured no. um, and already spent. So <laughs> <laughs> that's how podcasting works. Um, 
But yeah, other than that, I am a full-time sex educator, sex coach. I mainly coach um, bisexual women. So I speak about bisexuality, specifically uh, the plight of bi femmes and specifically even more bi POC femmes and bi black femmes and um, kind of internalized biphobia and fighting against that so we can, you know, all get over our shame and make out with each other because we could be making each other very, very happy. And <laughs> other than that, I'm a burlesque performer as well, and I am in Chicago, Illinois as well. So, What a yeah. crew. Shytown. I'm the token immigrant friend right now. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Toronto. It's like a three-hour drive or something, right? That's not so bad. Yeah. Come on over. We got maple syrup and free health care. Hey. And penises, lots and lots of penises from all shades <laughs> of the melanin spectrum. <laughs> we love it. We do. Awesome. Thank you all for, for giving that quick little intro. And um, for folks who didn't listen to my previous episodes with Tim, Ari, and Ellie, uh, featuring Ellie's partner, Christine, who uh, is, is not queer and thus not in this episode, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, work partner not out. partner partner just to clarify yeah yeah just to clarify yep sorry podcast partner no, that's okay uh, <laughs> soulmate in a platonic way yeah i was like how does that work that's, yeah. she no uh, <laughs> i'm attracted Very to men but i'm not fun. gay yeah <laughs> i was no. embarrassed to ask Got him. <laughs> oh funny <laughs> well played i do what i can <laughs> Um, this is why I called it a pride party because that's what's happening here today. Um, okay. Yeah. So we're, we're talking about, uh, pride related themes, uh, quote pride related, uh, as I alluded to, but mostly, um, you know, the, the three of you, myself, well, four of us are all queer sex educators. Um, we, we kind of educate in, in different capacities and with different groups of people, but all of us sort of have some queer lens to how we communicate about um, sexual health, wellness, um, relationships, consent, um, and, and all kind of sex and identity related topics. So um, given that it's Pride Month, I really wanted us to come together and talk about, um, you know, in hindsight, some of the things that we, we as queer folk wish that we'd known uh, when going through sex education, some of the things we've learned now um, in adulthood as educators, and um, kind of just get into the nuance of some of that uh, with questions here. Um, so I'm going to start us off uh, with kind of a higher level question. Uh, what are some ways that your sex ed experience failed you uh, as a queer, we'll say like adolescent or youth? Hmm. Just let everyone ponder. The better the question is trauma. what ways didn't it fail me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's, it's easier to How flip it that way. How much time do we have? <laughs> yeah. It's just like Where a trauma processing start? session. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is actually yeah. just a therapy session for everyone. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's it's a big question, right? I think yeah. it didn't teach me that queer sex was a possibility. Yeah, like physically, yeah. how does it happen? Yeah, specifically with women, specifically with like, there's nothing going in, so how does it work? And I feel like that was 
demystified until like recently, <laughs> like when I became a sex educator a few years ago, you know, it was just kind of like that kind of aligned with my queerness journey as well. Um, yeah, I guess it was it's extremely heteronormative and it's the little sex education that I got was very much um, about contraception and prevention, no pleasure, nothing about self-touch or masturbation. Of course it was girls get their periods and boys get boners and that's about it. Um, and don't wear short skirts to entice them sort of a thing. Like, yeah. Ugh, yeah. Cause guys get all animalistic. They're like, Oh my God, an ankle. <laughs> yeah. It's just, Oh, I am reaching really far back into some um, repressed memories (laughs) (laughs) from sixth grade. It's time to press them again. (laughs) I feel like my, my only, uh, to your point, Ari, my only acknowledgement of like sex between two vulva owners was in South Park the scissor me timbers like <laughs> clip do you know what i'm talking about i think i do describe it well it's like two people literally scissoring as in like like <laughs> not tripping like i just want to be clear like like mm-hmm. fully animated scissoring and just banging up against each other vic- viciously <laughs> that's so not hot that i think oh my hot. god i mean you have no per- idea personally not my thing but um because it just sounds like it's gonna bruise your anyway um and shouting like scissor me timbers <laughs> was what was said during which... i almost spit this coffee out <laughs> yeah. scissor me I mean, timbers. It's dirty talk if i've ever heard it that's great dirty um, talk i should watch more south park for that yeah so that that's what i thought that was for a while long while probably mm-hmm, mm-hmm. man that is hot <laughs> Yes. It, is it? I mean, you don't know. Listen, it was hotter than what I thought my sex ed was when it was like Dwight Schrute being like, which penis opens up to except the other's penis? You know? Oh, no. <laughs> it's like Avatar. The yeah. Like, like the, when you go. And then, <laughs> <laughs> no, because like I went to an all boys school when I was a young lad and I was taught like no sex almost like none like what i can remember from my sex ed was puberty and contraception and you can only have sex when you're getting married and you want to have a kid anything outside of that you're gonna burn in the fires of hell and i'm like oh my god yay where's my invite and (laughs) i was like so hot let's go there right so, yeah, I'm like, I, I didn't know that sex between two people of the same sex was even possible. I didn't know that, that was like something that could be done. And now that <laughs> ever since I found out I have, I can, I can like fuck all the men that I want because <laughs> I'm a horn dog. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, and I, I wish I knew more about what it meant to be like gay or uh that even that being gay was even a thing because being raised in a religious background you think um is there something wrong with me am i sick do i need medicine for this do i need some sort of help 
And I just wish that back then or even now that that kind of education, that thorough queer sex ed is being taught now so that we can tell kids, you know, the difference between their parts and how to see and call things out the right kind of way, you know, like one of the misconceptions of sex ed is that we're going to teach kids how to have sex it's um no thank you i want kids to be safe so that if they ever encounter like an unsafe adult they know how to say to a responsible adult uh that guy touched me on my penis or my vulva and then we can start getting all these psychos out there and just i don't know uh what's the common punishment now uh guillotine is that still a thing that's being used <laughs> um <laughs> yeah i think actually it's like they're they're really it's trendy again it's trending on the Twitter. guillotines yeah, guillotine, yeah 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 burning at the stake or the iron bull where you're boiled alive oh my god yes <laughs> classics <laughs> yeah um no yeah it's it's a it's a it's a really good point right that especially now well I mean, it's always it's always been part of the conversation, right? It's like sex education is, quote, like going to teach our kids to have sex and like promote having sex at too early an age. And obviously, the four of us know that it's in fact the opposite, right? When you like teach people the, the whole truth of a matter, then they have the education to make a decision, a safe decision for themselves and, and those around them. And, um, you know, it's especially in modern technology. Ellie and I were talking about this. Um you know, like sex ed educate, and I had sex positive sex ed really compared to most people when I was growing up. But the the sex ed was not at the time equipped to handle the fact that there were emerging technologies, right? So whereas now I teach my youth about how to deal with situations of sexting, right? Sending photos, not sending photos, when to, how to. Not how to, like, I'm not, you know, telling them the best angle. <laughs> how to use right, a camera. Like, it's <laughs> like, oh. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how to is in, like, when you're a consenting adult, how to, like, respectfully ask for consent, even in texting situations, right? Um, but, like, I was, I started sending nudes in high school and no one had, no one had educated me on that, right? It's things like that where, that's not related to my queer experience, but like there's, there are, the sex ed is always like 10 years behind where we need it to be. Um, Ellie can probably speak most to how that's changed or improved, but um, yeah, it's just, there's, there are gaps on all fronts. And not the kind of gap that I want. No, <laughs> no, no, unfortunately not. Well, <laughs> I had never thought about it that way, but I think you're right. Like, we're still so focused on, like, I teach about pleasure, but that's because I make an effort to, not because the schools are asking me to. And I think we're still so focused on, like, preventing pregnancy and preventing chlamydia, and we're not thinking about broader kind of um, understanding of sexuality. And I think that that's sad to me. Like, we've come a long way. The sex said that I teach is a lot better than what I received, but I think there's still a lot. There's a there's a big gap between where we should be and what we should be educating about. Um but I, what's standing out to me when I was a young person is I just, like, never knew that being queer was an option. I think I, like, I learned how to, like, put on a condom and I learned how to, like, identify the urethra and the vas deferens and the scrotum. But I, like, never knew that, like, you could be anything other than straight. And that's 
I don't know, I think it's part of why I do this work to make sure that young people have an understanding that like, there are so many identities out there and you can be any of them and um, reaffirming that for them feels important to me. But I then went to Sarah Lawrence for college. And I think I talked about this in the last episode I was on, but um, maybe like night three being at Sarah Lawrence, they had some like hip funky sex educator come in and do like a comedy slow show slash like barrier method demo that I only vaguely remember. But I remember thinking like, there's so much more to sex that I simply don't understand. And I'm 18 years old and that feels like really cool and also really scary. And like, where am I going to learn all this information? And like, here I am now doing the work, but I think it's, it's sad to me that it took till I was 18 at like a hippie dippy gay liberal arts school till I figured out that like the word sex has a lot of meanings and like you can explore your body in different ways. And there are ways to do that with all different types of people. And it, it took way too long. And I worry that that's still true for a lot of people if they're not getting the right education. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I want to kind of chime in on what Ellie and what Tim said a little bit. Um, I feel like lack of knowledge begets lack of understanding. Um, so I feel like for me, my lack of sex education and knowledge of what counted as sex counted quote unquote um what was considered sexual what was considered um I guess consensual and non-consensual things like that conversations like that just weren't being had in like <laughs> late 90s early 2000s maybe they are now I hope so but like it really that and my personal development as a, like a young person just because of trauma, like abstaining from sex for a really long time and like keeping it at an arm's length um, made it like a really scary subject for me. And it was like really something I did not want to broach. And when I did, it was when it was happening to me. And because of that, um, like Tim, you said in your work, you do a lot of harm reduction just because mm -hmm. of that because of the lack of knowledge that no one had ever told me like, Oh, it's okay to like, not say, to say like, Oh, this hurts me or I don't want to do this or whatever. You know, like I had situations where I was harmed sexually and where there was sexual violence and not that that was my fault at all or anything, but, or that I perpetrated it in any way, but <clears throat> it would have given me the tools to be, to stand up for myself and be a little bit more conscious, I think, of what was going on instead of just kind of like in this very heteronormative, very patriarchal way, just being like, okay, well, um, this is, you know, a person of authority or it's a cis man or whomever. So it's all about them. It's all about their pleasure. I don't want to make them uncomfortable. Um, you know, I'm the girl. So, I or I have a vulva, so you know that means that I don't get any pleasure. And it's really interesting. I was talking to my friend in college about this, about all the bad sex that we used to have, and like that wasn't that long ago. It was you know, <laughs> graduated in like 2014, went to school in 2009, 2010. Like that really wasn't that long ago. But it seems like we've come light years ahead of that just because of like social and stuff like that but at the same time she said my friend said something to me and she said it seemed like the only options for sex back then were bad sex or no sex and I was like 
oh my God, that's it. That is, would I put that on a t-shirt? <laughs> like, because it, that's what it seemed like in college and in my early 20s. It was just like, oh, okay, well, I'll just have this like lame dick and, you know, call it a day because that's what everyone else is doing, right? And it's like, no, it shouldn't have to be like that. Like, you know, yeah. always choose the no sex <laughs> rather than sex that you'd rather not be having. But you live and you learn. Also, so. all dick is lame in my experience. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. It's just an angry looking thing, just like with that one eye staring you straight in your face. Like, I'm like oh, please, mommy. It's my favorite like- worst nightmare. <laughs> I feel like I also spend a lot of time um, answering questions and like reassuring students about what counts as sex. I think for a long time, up until like yeah. really recently, I like had a really fucked up understanding of like, what sex means and what counts as sex. And like part of that's the result of partners who I think have also really fucked up understandings of sex. But I mean, like, I don't know. I try to reinforce as much as I can that like anything can be sex as long as it's consensual and safe and feels right for you in the ways that you want it to. But like, there's no definition and there's nothing that counts or doesn't count. And I think, yeah, so much of, of that was ingrained in me for so long that like Mm. both people have to orgasm or it has to be penetrative or it has to be with a penis. And like, those are not things that, always work or always are enjoyable and I think it's a really harmful narrative yeah Ellie I I appreciate you bringing that up because I felt like we were like edging close pun intended edging closer and closer to um, (laughs) this notion of the sex education that you know we were given in the late 90s or early 2000s and the at the time like definition of virginity right so obviously this is it's evolved and for queer folks or folks who are um you know sex positive and and educating themselves in the matter like right the the understanding that uh, a lot of things can be sex right and um it's like you said as long as it's consensual and and you know felt feels right in the moment then it, it certainly can be and i think um the idea of virginity is is particularly harmful um to queer it's not folks real. because yeah, well, yeah, it's obviously fucking it's fake. But it's made up. It's totally made up. Oh my up. god, a penis absolutely changing my entire being. <laughs> <gasps> Whoa! That penis literally, sh- my life didn't start to that penis literally shattered my pussy. Oh That's my god. <laughs> and my hymen ends. tore apart. Oh my god, I'm a new woman. Literally, I crawled out of my own vagina and was reborn <laughs> because of a, pe- a penetrative penis. No, <laughs> just Tim and I recreating Alien. Um, no, but exactly right. Like it is, it is a crazy notion um, for those of us who have like had to process, you know, the fact that it's fake and what sex can be. But for a lot of people, it's really real, right? I mean, um, I guess for queer folks obviously sex can look like a number of things i mean frankly even if you're in a cisgender heterosexual relationship sex can look like a ton of things right but um i guess question for you all and maybe we've already answered it but what are some ways that um you know we as folks who have already done some of the mental and emotional work on that try to reframe uh virginity for like young queer folks who are trying to figure out their sexuality and kind of how to validate their sexual experiences just curious Mm. if anyone has a take on like 
I would say like mutual masturbation is like a really easy one to say like that's definitely sex so that's one that I've reframed sort of internally and I try to promote that to folks around me is like thinking about things like mutual masturbation as sex in order to reframe it and promote kind of like more more options and more queer friendly options I wish braiding each other's hair was considered sex because I can come from that (laughs) (laughs) well then maybe for you Tim it would be (laughs) right I mean it may not be sex for other people but it's definitely sex for me um (laughs) no but like i think the notion of virginity is weird it's patriarchy it's just like misinformation about like parts of the woman like the hymen and all that stuff and it's like what what does that even mean (laughs) that you're a changed person after you've had a penis inside of you that's like make it make sense babe so um like I feel like it's up to us to just rethink what sex is for us because sex can mean so many different things and sex can mean, uh, I don't know, one thing if you want. But what matters is at the end of the day, sex is how the individual defines it, right? I mean, I think that like sex can be something like, okay, for one person, they can consider sex to be just like cuddling and holding hands or like rubbing, uh, dry humping. And then for another person, such as myself, I consider sex to be shitting in my mouth and, and that'll be like the first date. <laughs> it's a spectrum. Everything's on a spectrum. <laughs> there, there. Everything's on a spectrum, right? Right. And they'll get your business card later and then we'll go to a business meeting afterwards. But you know what I mean? Like we need to... Uh, have, we need to reshape the way that we think about sex as this penis and vagina thing. And why not all of the aspects of pleasure? I find sexting to be a form of sex. I find uh, fucking, I don't know, giving a massage to be a form of sex. I just happen to like all the bodily fluids that come with sex. <laughs> that doesn't have to be your version of sex, but it's definitely mine. And we need to accept and embrace all of the aspects of sex. Yes, agreed. When I work with young people, I um, do a lot of, I don't know, sorting activities, and some of them are related to sexual behaviors. And so I've come up with, you know, as many sexual behaviors as I can that are easy enough to explain to a young person with a minimal attention span, but also sort of range in solo and partnered and risk and high risk and low risk and all the different things. Um And a lot of times young people have no concept of the fact that there's more than just two sexual behaviors and they've never heard of half these things. And so I think it's interesting to present a variety of behaviors and say that any of these can be defined as sex if that's what you define them as. And also there are probably 50 more behaviors that I'm not going to do a sorting activity with because we don't have all day, but like that list is endless and it just gives them like a, a way to start thinking about all the different things that you could define on your own. Oh my God, I want that list. 50? Wow. <laughs> you gotta come up with more. I would like more. Give like, me can more. Can we get a Google Doc? Can we all contribute? <laughs> we'll give it to the DSM. Oh my god. Add it. That's awesome. Um, going back to your question, uh, M, about defining sex, uh, I think you brought this up, Tim, that um, this happened to me in the pandemic 
when I got really lonely and was on dating apps like a fucking maniac. Um, but I'm on seven. (laughs) But I started, um, I started sexting, and that's a behavior that like was really like uncharacteristic for me, and it was just the only way that I really felt safe because I didn't want. Like, let's be clear, I'm just not really dating sucks and (laughs) dating in person at the height of the pandemic when we really didn't know what was going on. There was like no sign of vaccination. It was just like, this is not, and I had just moved to Chicago at that point. So it was like, this is not the move. I don't want to do that, but I'll like sex and like send sexy pics or whatever. So started doing that with a few people and a few apps and long story short, I got catfished on one app. You can read about that story on my website. But um, like that experience um, kind of made me rethink online intimacy. And like before that, I would have been like, oh, you know, I'm just like sending some nudes back and forth. Like, and I don't really send explicit nudes. Like I didn't send anything um I haven't put up on my burlesque Instagram account or anything, you know, like I have my tits and ass have been on YouTube for over a decade now. Like I'm totally fine with whatever. I don't care what Fosta Sesta says, but um, it felt hurtful. It felt like really like way more hurtful and harmful than I originally anticipated, uh, you know, you know, thinking that this person in their basement or whatever was just pretending to be a totally different person. And I was like having an intimate relationship with them for weeks. And I was like, why does this hurt so much? This is just some like fucking incel or simp in like, I don't know, Idaho or something like getting off on like this hot burlesque performer. And I was like, it hurts because it's real because like it's a lie um, because it is perpetrating sexual violence and it's actual intimacy. Like it's intimacy. It's sex. We had sex. Like we were sexting and this person, I don't know if it was even a man or a woman. I'm assuming it's a dude. I don't know. Um, you know, he came, I came like, you know, it just felt like I was totally duped. And I was like, wow, like that just really, it was a terrible, terrible incident. But it really turned my perspective on its head with thinking beyond the um, beyond the physical space of like what counts as sex and what is intimacy. Because you know you can take that same mentality and say like <clears throat> people use the same you know the same argument when they're like, oh, I'm not cheating. It's just sexting or we're just sending photos or we're just talking online. It's just, you know, emotional intimacy or it's an emotional affair. It's not real, but it's like, that's real. Those are real feelings. Those are real texts. Those are real intentions. Those are real jokes, you know, like there's a real person behind that screen, I think. And I think if you get into like the meta of it all, it's just like, digital boundaries are getting more and more um, gray for us as we come into new technologies. Um, And sex is just going to get even more muddled with that. Um, I don't know if that answers your question. No, yeah. (laughs) I think it totally, I think it totally hits upon like the, the heart of the question. Right. And I think we've all answered it in different, but aligning ways. Right. But at the end of the day, like sex is, 
to the individual and it's even things that we couldn't even dream about like i mean if you'd asked me when i was 16 like oh like what's your virginity loss gonna be like i wouldn't have had the vocabulary to be like actually i've already had sex because i've been sexting in high school do you know what i mean like it's it's about expanding Mm. all of those ideas and i think like eventually hopefully the more we normalize that sex can take place in a bunch of different ways then the more like you know folks who choose not to for whatever reason have sex in a quote-unquote traditional penis and vagina way like boring um, yeah (laughs) they they just have more they can have more fun in a safe and consensual way um at a type that feels right for them as opposed to having to like put it on hold because they deem it to be invalid um yeah it's like that's not that's not serving anyone really you know it's just like I went for years with being so unfulfilled with straight sex and like that was me putting my pleasure aside and that had a lot more to do with, you know, me kind of trying to please the men that I was with, I think. But also like when I started having queer sex and sex with other women, other femmes, it was just like a door unlocked and I was like oh like when you take gender out of the equation it's just like oh we're free to communicate about like what our roles will be whose responsibility it is to do what who wants what done to them it's never assumed or presumed um you know with what you'll be doing I guess and I don't know it's just a lot more fun and a lot more toys too (laughs) more equipment Oh, the toys. So fun. Oh, my God. You should see the toys that I have that when I was introduced to queer sex. I didn't realize how many toys were involved in it. Like, Mm -hmm. I, the first thing I got was like this big dragon tentacle thing of a dildo (laughs) that went from my asshole and came out of my esophagus. And I was like, what? I'm basically a kebab. I don't have any insides. Wow. I'm just skinny. No I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I Queer sex rules. With that product, though. Yeah, no, I mean, that's the thing, right? Is it does, it, it, it's tough because, like, I wish I could go back and, like, tell young me, like, actually, I mean, I, so I come from a ton of privilege, obviously, because I'm super straight passing, always have been, because even though I was hooking up with girls in high school, I was doing it behind closed doors at sleepovers and then would start dating boys right because it was easy to be like on facebook official with toby but on weekends i make out with you know Sandra. (laughs) yeah and that's exactly what's happening we don't know won't hurt him no and it it totally was i was like well i'm straight so like i can hook up with women it's not cheating and it's like all right that's it's super unethical i was i apologize I'm splitting hairs there <laughs> but um but yeah no it's sort of like mm-hmm. i wish i could go back in time and be like actually no that experience is equally as valid as the public experience and in fact you should take time and explore both of these things equally um yeah exploring kind of what sex can yeah be. or like how we should also include i don't know masturbating to porn like yeah. If anyone listening to this is feeling bad about watching porn, trust me, look at the Pornhub insights. There are so many perks out there. Do y'all know when there was a spike in traffic in Pornhub's, uh, like, there was a spike in Pornhub's traffic? March of 2020. Oh, of course. As in, 
nothing else to do. Yeah. You can listen to my episodes on the Pornhub Insights. And if we consider masturbation as a form of sex, then we can safely say that everybody in the fucking world in March 2020 was having sex all at the same time. Because we're all locked indoors. We're like, all right, fine. I'm just going to have to jack off and go again. You know? Yeah. Buy your toys, yeah. watch your porn. And that's how I actually stayed sexually active with my partner in Virginia. One of my partners mm, in Virginia. Nice. Yeah, because like um we have those uh what do you call it those like remote control vibrator things and like he's mm-hmm. he's a marine thank you for your service to my pussy <laughs> um <laughs> and so he's always at sea so it's kind of hard to like you know get some quality time and then yeah. you know what let's just go on facetime and open the app and then let's just fucking go for it he'll jack mm-hmm. off he's awesome. like drilling my asshole with a, a remote vibrator and then live happily ever after he goes home to his husband i go home to my many husbands i'm still single (laughs) (laughs) and then yeah see that's still a valid form of sex there was no touching but we still had sex yeah sex tech is everything i'm gonna have a whole other episode just on sex tech because i get yeah we should i'm happy to talk about that um it's fascinating anyway um so okay i want to um kind of think get back on the super unfortunately unpleasant thought to all of our sex ed experiences as youth um and think about if there were any like specific facts or um diagrams or things that you were like told or shown in your sex ed experience that added confusion to your um sort of like sexuality exploration or even like completely shut it down it sounds like all of us at some point were like oh no there's no way that queerness is even an option so um but yeah i'm thinking like what are some specific examples i don't know how well this fits but i um ninth grade health class we had to take like a quiz on the penis system and on the uterus system and like i failed the penis system because i just like could not understand where the fucking vast deference was. And I was like, I just don't get it. And I don't care. And I think I, I, and it's funny now, cause I can point these things out in my sleep cause I teach them so frequently, but like, I don't, I guess I didn't understand. And I don't understand the point of forcing people to memorize these things. And like, why do you ever, when would I ever need to like gun to my head, point out the vast deference, like doctors don't even never, know that. Right exactly. Now. And so I think, mm-hmm. I don't know how much it relates to my identity, but I think like forcing students turning sex in into another type of class where you're just like memorizing content and taking exams um, is like so far from how I operate in my classroom. And I, my goal is to just like let kids be kids and ask their questions. And this is not a space where you're being tested and you're just learning information to better your own experiences. I think it felt scary for me and it felt intimidating. And I was like, when am I ever going to need to know this? And the answer is actually a lot, but like for, I think a different reason than I imagined when I was a kid. Yeah, no, I think, um, there a lot of the important things that um even even decent sex ed um is you know crafted to do i you know have safe sex with a kind partner even at like a bare minimum it gets lost in the like i did like memorize the you know seminal vesicles that's the one i always get i'm like why do i have to i do i have to tell people what that is and where they are and like it's hard to you know why um when like things like consent are so much more important or like 
just be like like telling people that they should talk to their partners about sex before they have it like the basic the basic things get lost in that for sure even in the discussion of consent that's a little like it's lacking nuance because in when you're teaching consent uh we're taught just the two things yes is yes and no means no but yeah, like which... it's way more like complicated than that there's like mm-hmm. you know who's doing what and am i uh am i consenting to you to you giving me that that action or am i consenting to giving you this act it's like there's so much yeah. like gray area within the the consent conversation that's so ignored right Mm -hmm. we can't just say no means no but like there's also like cnm consensual or consensual non no consensual non-consent cnc yeah where it's like Mm. no don't do that and being all coy and shit yeah i love that stuff that that you communicate ahead of time with a consent yeah negotiations yeah. yeah so that's definitely one of the things that like fucked me up when i was learning sex ed because it was just like yes means yes and no means no uh uh, uh, okay so it was it's really confusing and we need to like you know converse those like nuances and those gray areas and shit like that for sure and i think like i'm thinking about the things that were lacking in in my sex experience and like obviously that's the vast majority of stuff but the thing and i think this was weirdly patriarchal even though at the time I didn't really acknowledge it but like my sex ed teachers did not ever like define the term orgasm to me and so I I yeah (laughs) and but but remember I had people who were trying to talk about pleasure and like couldn't yeah well but that's the thing is I I think inherently that hindered my interest in some of these like non PNV sex behaviors, right? Because I was thinking, okay, the outcome of sex has to be a penis ejaculates, right? Because I don't, I, I get feel good from that, not feel good from something specific such as an orgasm or just like general arousal. And so suddenly like, yeah, okay, I knew maybe not when I was in sex ed, but eventually I figured out masturbation but it was still like in terms of being intimate with a partner it had to be penis in my pussy because that was what make feel good not you know that was english yeah that's penis make feel good um but like i i don't have the option of one masturbating in front of my partner like i do by myself but also like i'm never gonna actually enjoy or maybe never receive like any form of stimulation from my partner besides that. Inherently to me, I think that was probably like queer limiting because it was like the end all be all of sex is one intercourse and two penis ejaculation. So it's like, well then that's the only option then because scissor me timbers isn't going to do it. Cause that's fake. <laughs> it's not real. It's not real. It's not real. Orgasms aren't real. Scissoring is not real. It's not sex. Never. There you go. Exactly. I think it's it's so strange just because, like, I don't know about y'all's sex education growing up, but, like, I did not get shown any of the stereotypical, like, slides of gonorrhea or 
um, of actual vulvas or actual penises. We didn't even get like, you know, the human cut in half. This is a penis. This is a vagina. Like we didn't get any of that. So I had no knowledge of anatomy. None. Yeah. So literally when I say like our sex education was, it was so obscure and abstract, like, cause you know, and I'm, I'm a kinesthetic learner. Like I need to know like what these things are. We didn't do the condom on the banana. We didn't do the, you have an egg baby that you can't drop for a week or whatever. <laughs> like we did none of that in Texas. It was literally one time in fifth grade, we got pulled into the gym. They separated the girls from the boys girls got told about their periods and getting body hair and body odor and we got like a little gift bag with some kotex pads in it and like uh, a uh, a pamphlet about discharge <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and then we got pulled aside again in sixth grade during gym class um where they showed us a video about you know, a girl shamefully dropping her pad and then, oh uh, I don't know, growing breast tissue. Like, that was it. Yeah. Never again at all did I see anything vaguely related to actual anatomy, actual pubic hair, actual vulvas. Like, I didn't I didn't know what anything looked like. I, I learned more from HBO than I did, <laughs> like, in the vague classes and they didn't even call it sex ed it was like maturation maturation classes maturation yes i don't know what the fuck was going on in texas in the 2000s but like we did not have it together we obviously still don't have it together but it was just so crazy to me that you know i had to like reverse engineer my sex education as an adult and like thank god i have the time and like the means and the i don't know gall and the drive to do that on my own like of my own volition because like if I had not become a sex educator a few years ago or become interested in it like alongside my burlesque and performance journey and like kink journey and all of these other things then I would still be having lame fucking sex that was based on nothing like no anatomy classes. Like they didn't even tell me that something went inside of something else. And, you know, that's why I couldn't identify yeah. sexual abuse. That's why I couldn't identify consent culture and rape culture and all of these other things. And it's just like, come on, people. <laughs> like there's a problem persisting. I mean, just the absolute nightmare that is fucking Texas uh, sex education. <laughs> yeah, home state, baby. Texas. Yeah. And I had, I was saying to Tim and Ellie that I had the same experience at my school in Texas, but that I, my parents put me in a community program. So that's why I had the sex positive experience is because my parents had to like supplement the lack of, but so I always forget mm-hmm. that like it was really just bag of pads and send, send me on my way, which um yeah i also think for i don't know anyway that i'm gonna get, get on a high horse about Texas <laughs> education but um no but i think um it, it's just it's so limiting when you don't give someone the full information right like tldr if you don't if you don't give someone the tools to make um like a fully informed and, decision yeah right. fully informed decision or even like a pleasure-based decision right like mm-hmm I don't know. It just it's it's limiting, and um, especially for 
queer folks, and obviously that's the term queer is a, a massive umbrella, but for folks who don't um, identify with the traditional idea of, you know, heteronormativity or having like stereotypical gender roles or even, you know, people who don't identify with their body or the gender that's been assigned to them based on, you know, the sex they were assigned at birth, like stuff like that. I mean, it, it's, it's just keeps people from pursuing how fun and cool sex can be which sucks yeah it can be so nice right yeah <laughs> yeah it can be so naughty yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you want it to be it's great um so i think um i've been kind of building up to this uh bigger question not that the other questions weren't also big and requiring all of you to think back um to, to too many years ago um but what are what are some things that you've learned um, since becoming a sex educator that you wish you knew before, uh, particularly as a queer identifying person? I wish that I knew about creepy men on the internet. <laughs> Same. No, honestly. <laughs> no, no, honestly, I feel like that's something that uh, sex education does not really cover, which is like online dating because now in the 21st century that's how majority of people are meeting especially in the time of covid we're all meeting online mm -hmm. and we like cybersecurity now should be i think in my humble opinion should be part of sex ed you know protecting mm -hmm. yourself online because like any everyone's online you can see i don't know people's shit online all over the internet and uh you know, with apps like Tinder or Hinge or Grindr or what have you, you're like in a way very much exposed because you're going on there with a specific goal in mind, whether it's like you just want to date, you just want to have sex, you just want a casual thing, whatever it is. It's a, it's a form of vulnerability and we need to ensure that our safety is a priority when it comes to online dating and uh, whatever online sex happens, right? And I wish I knew more about, like, uh, these weird things that people say uh, on on the internet. Like, when I first came to North America, I never knew what LOL meant. I was like, lots of love to you, too. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, things like that. Like, because... Our landscape is always changing and always evolving. Sex education needs to catch up with that as well at the same speed. And, you know, because right now the culture is like all the way here progressing at uh, lightning fast speeds while sex education is all the way back there in the golden age of like uh, we're still teaching just about uh, prophylaxis and celibacy. But like, come on. People, people be fucking. Let's yeah. <laughs> let's catch it up here, people. Time's a wasted. Exactly. Yeah, you know, Tim. It's funny that um, not funny, haha, -ha funny, but interesting that you. Oh, it's funny. It's ha. Um, <laughs> but you know, I I went through like a really, uh, I would say intense like sexting and internet sex um, phase that I I think maybe we've talked about a bit before, but like I was, you know, communicating with exclusively. Uh, people that I met like on Reddit for a while and mm. you know I was anonymous I used the name I used for my podcast it, I you know my face and tattoos and everything were always covered and I learned anonymity but for me that was for a time 
intended to be a way for me to um, explore uh, my queer identity. So I, you know, was having some in-person interactions with um, folks that weren't, you know, my cisgender male partner at the time, but like I um, also wanted to talk to other queer femmes and like explore that more. And I did get catfished on a number of occasions by creepy dudes pretending to be hot oh, owners. No. And it was fine. It was fine because I'm so like paranoid that I all I had I had measures in place for confirming identity. I was only using apps that like were not des- not designed for this, but but basically like let me know early on whether or not someone was um, keeping something for me. So I never got to a point where I was like in communication with someone for weeks and like found, you know, mm. I, I was you had your bullshit much, detector like on. Yeah, high. I did. It, it was, it was, I compared to Ari's horrible experience, I got super lucky, but I did on several occasions get like excited. I was like, oh man, I'm going to talk to this pussy owner and I'm going to get some weird <laughs> pics. And it was, a, it was a creepy dude. It was. And so, yeah. it, it, especially because I think like <clears throat> cyber interactions, sexting, all of those are really great and, you know, health-wise, safe ways to, you know, have a sexual encounter. Um, Until your psyche gets harmed. Yeah. Yeah, It's so frustrating (laughs) that, and it sucks because we don't, we don't equip people to, um, to, to handle those situations. Like it's outside of the realm. And I think it, it, those platforms can be super fun and queer friendly especially for people who are not out in public or, or whatever other reason right those so, platforms can also be the sole place where queer people can get yeah. together because right you know yeah. if you don't live under a rock the world is not exactly queer friendly totally <laughs> yeah so we and only so- have our online spaces to keep us feeling like we're at home yeah you know. but we're not giving people the lingo the tools tools, yeah yeah to to pursue those things safely but we're refusing to let them do it in a in-person way so it's like "Ah!" but whatever Uh, don't say gay or don't let them choose the bathroom or like yeah there's bigger problems out there mate for sure jesus christ i think one thing i've been thinking a lot about i've been teaching in some schools that are generally homophobic and problematic in about a hundred other ways and i think one thing I keep remembering is that I like really intentionally spend most of my time with queer people. And I think that that's something I started to do years ago and didn't realize I was doing it. And now feel like there's a lot of value in spending time with people who, not that my straight friends don't affirm my identity, but people who have experiences that are similar to mine and who have a shared lingo and a shared understanding that doesn't have to be explained, I think feels really helpful. And I don't think young me would have ever understood what it means to have like a queer friend group where everyone sort of understands what it feels like to have relationships and experiences that feel marginalized or different in certain ways. And, and when I hang out in entirely straight spaces, I feel weird and I feel like this isn't yes. my space and I don't want to be here and I really struggle. And it's something I've started thinking <laughs> a lot about of like, this just uh, isn't hmm. it for me. <laughs> hetero, hetero, am I saying that right? Het- <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to like, mistake your identity Heter- her- mm, can't say it keep it out of my children's faces sorry Mm-mm. but it's true right like having having folks around you who can just even fathom mm-hmm. a, a big part of who you are as a person right like it's just it makes a world of difference and it's not something that you think about as a sex ed concern but it absolutely is because it's something that 
you know, if we're teaching um, folks, you know, no matter their age to like pursue safe queer lives, like friend having, having a support system that gets it like one, at least a solid percent of the time. Like that's, that's, I mean, invaluable. Agreed. Representation matters. It does. It brightens my day when I teach and I see a group of students and they're all very clearly a queer friend group. And I'm like, you're 12 (laughs) and this is really cool. And you don't realize that this is really cool, but like, they're all just living Aww. their lives and affirming each other. And I think it's cool that young people, I mean, some yeah. young people have that. When you see the butch kids and like the really femme kids with like a shaved hair and a mullet and mm-hmm. it's dyed green. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, gives life to my cold, dead gay heart. <laughs> Good for Gen Z on that front. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like they're getting part. a lot more permission than we had. I was like, I like couldn't even wear dark nail polish Mm. growing up like yeah i'm technically gen z which i hate but really oh you're so young i know it's really dumb i'm on (laughs) are you born 97 yes i was wow is that the cutoff for gen z yeah it's like 96 (laughs) you're a millennial and 97 you're fucking gen z so here i am oh no (laughs) i'm a millennial but only barely yeah (laughs) i got a millennial body with a baby boomer brain i am dead (laughs) (laughs) nothing but racial slurs up in here no kidding Just dropping a chaotic bomb in the room and walking away. <laughs> Bye. Nicely. With that big brown dick behind you. Yes, because I don't <laughs> see color. Oh no. I'm going to hear that clip on the internet somewhere being repurposed. Yeah. By the alt-right. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, Ari, I'm going to kick it to you. Hmm. I think something that comes to mind for me is um, the separation between this is like very specific, but it's kind of liberating for me. But the difference between like um, ejaculation and orgasm. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Um, like, because you think that they're like a, a specific, they're like a, a, in, a t- an in tandem phenomenon, especially in like cis men. And then you realize that, you know, people with, um, oh my God, what is it? Skeins glands, uh, vulva owners, usually you can ejaculate or you have the ability to ejaculate. I still have not personally, but like separating those two kind of, um, gave me a clearer view of the spectrum of orgasm and like being okay with not being multi-orgasmic with certain partners. Um, and, you know, it just made me appreciate the human body a little bit more because I was like, oh my God, I've been going. And that was like deep into my sex educator knowledge, like a, like a year or so in where I was like, you know, I'd heard that, but I was just, I didn't really grasp it. And then I was like, Someone showed, like, I went to someone else's workshop 
um, and as this man was teaching it, it was about edging. And I was just like, oh my God, that's what they mean with the multiple. Oh my God, yeah. that's what it is. Like, yeah. and somehow again, kinesthetic learner, I have to like see the thing. I have to feel the thing. I have to talk to it. So I have to take like, it out to dinner. This, <laughs> yeah, I'm like in this workshop with this man, just like, oh my God, yes, yes, sir. I absolutely understand this now. And so it made me feel affirmed, like just seeing this graph of like, you know, the ups and downs of a person experiencing multiple orgasms, you know, I was like, oh, okay, that's totally like that's science, you know, like that's, that's graspable to me. That's um, something that I can approach and that's a goal I can have. It's not some mythical thing that like, um, you know, I'm searching desperately for. Um, it's just kind of made it a little bit more attainable and um, I don't know, logical for me, I think. Um, I don't know if, <laughs> if from a podcast perspective, people can understand this, but maybe you can post something about it or I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah. But as yeah. someone who is multi-orgasmic, thank you for saying that because I am able to have multiple orgasms and withhold ejaculation, which is why I was so sought out as an escort. I just wanted to Good throw that you. out there. Hello. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then people are like, what's the secret to lasting longer? And it's just kind of like... The secret to lasting longer. Anatomy? The secret to lasting longer is buying Tim's uh, course on sexedwithtim.com. dot um. <laughs> <laughs> There it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's it is. Um, there are a ton of things like that that are even even for those of us who have um, a clear understanding on anatomy. It's like so. Like, I don't know, even, even learning for me, like when I, I experienced a pretty significant period of time where I just couldn't have an orgasm. And then like as a sex educator, and this is not related to my queerness, but like as a sex edu educator, like understanding anorgasmia and the different types of it and like what can, you know what I mean? And like, I managed to like break out of it in my own time. And that was very lucky for me because that's not always the case. So things like that, where it's like, you can understand so much objectively about the human body and your own pleasure and still like there's missing knowledge and it's really hard to wrap your mind around it. And the fact that it's not like a, a magical Pegasus like flying around in the sky because that's sometimes how shit like this feels because we're not educated about it properly. Right. And you're like, but you're educated and it is marketed to you as something that you should desire and something you should chase down. And like this toy is going to give it to you or this person is going to give it to you or this one experience or kind of sex is going to give it to you. Like as a bisexual, there are so many people who come to me for like threesome advice. And I'm just like, you know, I have tried myself to have many threesomes. They are very awkward. All of them have fallen. I can barely through. handle like, a group chat, babe. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, I've got parts flying at me. It requires a lot of communication. I will have a workshop on it soon. We're, you know, dropping some plugs here. But it's just kind of like there's a misconception between, I think, um, how sex is marketed and how it is um, and how it is served to us in mass media um, and how it's presented and like the feeling that you get when you actually have what is good sex for you. And mm -hmm. that can't be defined, you know, in comparison to 
I don't know, the thing comes up for me is like wild things. Like that was my first, like like, queer lady movies where I was like, oh my God, something's going on down there. Like, I don't know, like seven years old or something like that. Um, You know, but like that's even, you know, that shows the extent of like my imagination because like, you know, my child like sponge like brain was like having these, you know, neurons firing and like it made a feeling happen, you know? And that still happens when I have fantasy or when I watch porn or whatever. But that is still not the same as someone being in front of me, trying to please them, trying to receive them pleasing me. Um, Um, We don't like we have physical reactions to things, um, particularly fantasy, like you mentioned. And it's sometimes hard to reconcile that with um, like actual real life queer experiences. And part of that is because of lack of education too, especially like for me, at least communicating about my sexuality. And I found for um, just as an example, I think part of one of the, um, the things I loved about, having sex with someone who wasn't a straight cis man for the first time was that I could take on whatever role in that dynamic I wanted because I wasn't bound by um, the role that I was told I had to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so for me, um, it was that, I mean, that was a big aha moment, not as a sex educator, but just as a sexual being. And then I threw like, educating myself more on a, a personal level and then growing that into sex education realized that I could take the glory that I experienced that was getting to define whatever my role was in a scenario or, or scene um, and being able to apply that to a relationship with a penis owner as obviously someone who is partnered with a straight dude, right? So, and then being able to like sit down and communicate, hey, this is the role that um, I'm interested in playing or like how can we kind of explore this element in our sexual dynamic and having that be an option I mean for me that was like a big part of educating myself and knowing that like this was it could be way more limitless than I had believed it to be um, as long as I had the right partner and gave myself through education like the tools to communicate those things can I just say how much I love the picture of you like topping your male partner like i just love a woman in power (laughs) (laughs) like it's giving me that like lucy lou and charlie's angels the dominatrix like reporter like oh my god i love a weak man oh yes (laughs) i love them when they're barely clinging on to life (laughs) yeah i don't know if i would i I don't know if i would say he's weak um But in case he's listening, um, I love yeah, you, babe. No, like, like I, you know, five years ago, I wouldn't have had the ability to even like address some of that to vocalize you know I mean? because yeah. they don't give us like in sex education, they don't give us the kind of vocabulary for that kind of shit, right? No, so frustrating. And also, like before sex education, like this just like popped up in my head. I didn't really have the vocabulary to tell a guy that I was with that I was still turned on, even if I didn't have an erection. Mm-hmm. I'm like, just because it's not happening down there doesn't mean I don't want it. I think I'm just like, I don't know. I had a cigarette before this or something, or like I'm just like I have whiskey dick, yeah. but I still want it. 
you know, yeah. like, and it can still happen. And it can still happen. And it doesn't it can have still to happen with like, a limp dick. <laughs> with a limp dick, exactly. And it, nothing needs to go inside. Stop anyone. at an erection. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. I wish I knew that. I take it back. I wish I knew that. <laughs> And I wish I had the balls to tell, you know, my partners at the time, like, oh, you have whiskey dick tonight? Like, womp, I guess that That's means it. you're not right. going down on me. That means you're not going to help me out by fingering me. That means, like, we have toys. Here. Like, what? That, right. Like, that just did not exist as a as an option for me when I was just having straight sex, I will say. Um, yeah. And, like, I would say that that was not an exceptional experience. I would say a lot of my friends had that experience who I was also trying to learn from, you know, in college and right. my early and mid twenties, it was like, are you all experiencing this too? And they're like, yeah, yeah, it happens sometimes. Yeah. Or like, okay. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is lame. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, um, especially something that comes to mind with that is, uh, when, when I think about how physical, cues do not um always equate sort of like the reality of what someone else is experiencing either like arousal wise or just like general interest like I think especially because for so long an erection was the center of my sexuality right (laughs) like being near an erect penis was the goal right like that was (laughs) what I was supposed to be doing it took me a hot minute to figuring out how to communicate my own arousal or get that communication from a vulva owner right because like i don't know like how do i tell if you're horny if you don't have a penis question mark you know you have to ask that was something i had to figure out yeah Yeah. surprise spoiler alert you have to communicate oh my god communication mind blown (laughs) that's so funny the first time i stopped i was like oh my god I have to act like a guy and be like, did you come? (laughs) I I couldn't feel it. I couldn't see it. You know, like it was just kind of like, you came so hard, didn't you, babe? Yeah. And then I was just, and then I had this like imposter syndrome because there wasn't evidence, you know, like I'm used to evidence. (laughs) So the first time it happened, I was just kind of like, is she lying to me? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, does she have a reason to lie? What happened? Like that was like my own insecurity, but you know, you also have to like have trust with that person and And it doesn't have to be the the signal to the end of fun. Just because they orgasm doesn't mean that, you know, uh all right, let's wrap it up. I mean you don't don't orgasm. Like sometimes you just have a good time and then it's just like, Oh, I almost got there, then it just kinda faded, but then we're just like touching each other. Like that's fine. Yeah. And like, can we like go back to pillow talk? Yeah. It's the aftercare for me. <laughs> I did not have aftercare until I had queer sex, and I was like, oh my god, I want, I need this every time. I need co- a conscious concern for my well being. I need to be cuddled. I need to be the big spoon. And it was like a need that I didn't know that I had, but I definitely was not getting. You know, yeah. I need to make a snack for my partner and myself after sex. I need to hydrate. I need to, you know, have us both put on silk robes and like talk about what we did, you know, like th- that never fucking happened with dudes. Like never. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> so, it still doesn't happen. Bibs. It doesn't happen. <laughs> it should. It should happen with everybody. And I think queer sex is just such a good equalizer. It's like, mm. that's why I want it for everybody. I just feel like everyone should try it. I don't know. That's that's me. That's my bias. But no, everyone should it. try it. It should be law. 
I'm also biased. Come on, Biden. Put that into law. Don't knock it till you try it. (laughs) Um, Okay. I have one kind of final question here for the group. What is one fact, data point, or message you wish to impart upon any queer person uh, whose sex ed experience also failed them? So, I mean, most of the listeners of Sex Existentialist are from the U.S., I'm assuming. So, so many, a shocking number in Australia, but... Ooh! Ozzy, ozzy, ozzy. Oi, oi, oi. Or good eye, mate. Uh, so, I want the U.S. listeners, at least, to whoever's queer. Um, so, uh, there's this study or a survey that was conducted by UCLA, so it's reliable, uh that's (laughs) no it is it actually is uh they surveyed like 350,000 americans uh over the course of 2012 to 2016 and the number of lgbt people just keep going up and up the highest being like uh, the district of columbia the second one being uh the state of oregon so dc has like 9.8 percent of its population identified as lgbt and oregon has 5.6 and if you're wondering about chicago that's illinois i believe that's 4.3 percent of that state is identifying as lgbt so we're on the rise it's just going to keep going up and up and up and if you're ever scared of coming out don't worry please do not feel pressure to come out but just know that even if the world isn't completely in our favor as queer people. We're on the right track. I believe that we're on the right track. It's not a sprint. It is a marathon. We queer elders, we queer people now are setting the path for Gen Z and generations forward to have a better, more queer-friendly space. And I hope that you guys like carry on this torch of of making the space better than when it was when you came and make it better for all people. And that includes straight people, I guess. Uh. <laughs> please but, do the work. <laughs> yeah, please do the work, straight people. <laughs> it's your work. We need them too. Yeah, yeah. Please also do not claim ally as your title. <laughs> Let us give that to you until further notice. Ugh. God, I hate when they're like, "I'm an ally." Uh, No, you're not. (laughs) Revoked. According to who? who? (laughs) Um, I mean, I guess I would say what I what I would leave or impart to other queer folks or people beginning their queer journey um, is that, like, this is the question I get most often with like coaching clients and. and like group coaching spaces specifically just because I lead them with a lot of like um, novice by women who either haven't explored their sexuality fully or to the extent that they would like, or, um, you know, the whole, like I get drunk and I make out with girls, but I don't know if that's real syndrome and all of that. Um, but their queerness, it's, it's an identity if you want it to be one, it is not something you have to take on. It is not something that I think is for everyone. Um, I think that, you know, people are queer. Sex acts are not, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, I don't think that, you know, two men having what's considered gay sex once makes each of them inherently gay or queer. Um, I think 
if we take on the language of like self-identity with queerness, then um, like take the response, it takes the responsibility off of the world uh, viewing you as queer because I mean, I get this all the time, but everyone's like, how do I feel queer enough? And I'm just like, no sex act is going to make you feel queer enough. Like, it's just not going to happen. I don't like, even feel you, gay enough you, as you I'm taking it up the ass. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> like, I thought once I had sex with a woman, I'd be like, huh, okay, this makes perfect sense. It was just, it's, I felt more settled into myself and it was affirming for me, but that didn't like, I don't know, it didn't it didn't undo or um, what's the word? It didn't like reverse any of my like straight experiences or anything. I just didn't have that experience yet. And, you know, qualifying experience, like, I just don't think that's really a thing because there are people who, you know, there are people on the spectrum of straight, gay, queer, what have you, um, who may never have sex. You know, we're for, remember the demisexuality and ace spectrum. <laughs> like, you know, experience does not mean, uh, does not equal identity. For sure. And I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> no, I think that's a really, really good point. I'm glad that you mentioned that Ari too. We just want more straight men to take it up the ass. <laughs> <laughs> that too. I think for me, um, one of the hardest things that I think I tell young people that is hard for me to grasp now and I've come to terms with my identity for a while is like you're the only person that can define your identity and I think it's frustrating to hear that when a young person's like please just tell me if I'm gay and I'm like unfortunately I can't do that for you but I think knowing that you're the only person that can do that and there's no right or wrong answers and you can be whatever identity today and a different identity tomorrow and that that's totally valid regardless of what people around you are telling you I think is an important message that I try to drive home and I think it's hard to wrap your head around and also, I just think, especially for young people, but for really anyone, to like surround yourself with the people that make you feel like your best self and to not surround yourself with the people who don't. And I think there's not, it's hard when you're 12 and like are stuck with the caregivers that you have, but to find the other adults in your life that can be supportive in the right ways, I think feels really important to me. And to be that, like, for me, it feels important to be that to somebody else and to to serve as a good queer role model of like what life looks like when you're 24, 25, 26 and like have a queer friend group and are in a queer relationship and like know what that means. Awesome. <laughs> Do people, this is just a question that I have for y'all, but I feel like as a sex educator, especially if you're like, if you have a profile on the internet or something, I get a lot of like the number one question I get in my DMs is, is this normal if I dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. Yep. And people are just seeking that <laughs> validation from you, like yeah. as an educator and I'm like, okay, number one, book a session with me. Two, right. <laughs> like, honestly, yeah, I was like, I'm like, I do not give advice in DMs because then they're just going to keep coming back for more. I've made that mistake before, but also like, I don't know how to tell them what you just said, Ellie, which is like, I cannot validate this for you. Like, I think that's fine. I think it's normal, what have you. But I also have like a vast amount of knowledge that I've accrued. And just because I say it's normal for you, that doesn't mean you're going to take that as that validity or that validation into a situation and be confident moving forward in your sexuality that might help right now. It's like a bandaid, but like it's going to take time for that to set in. Mm -hmm. And I think people 
especially if you're like in a coaching kind of space like I am, maybe Tim, you know about this, but people just want to feel normal Normal. and to feel valid. And I think what you said, Ellie, was really great. Just like putting that responsibility on yourself and making it personal. um, That makes it so that nobody can take it away, you know? Like if I had the ability to give you like queer approved A plus a sticker on you right. to make like, you feel better. Give you a card. Yeah, sure. But like that's not gonna happen <laughs> in our lifetime, yeah. babe. It's up to you to validate your own queerness and also know that there's no right or wrong way to be queer. There's mm. like that's why we got a rainbow, right? It's so many shades and colors of queerness and, and pride and being you know like your own authentic self nobody can tell you how to be your own authentic self other than you and just embrace it something i learned in therapy (laughs) and watch heartstopper everyone should watch heartstopper everyone should read one last stop like these is it good i i've heard mixed reviews heartstopper yeah i think as someone who watches a lot of queer tv written by straight people (laughs) Heartstopper is queer TV written by queer people. Sex education. Tell the difference. Was it the best TV I've ever watched? No. But was it like very clearly written by queer people about queer people? Yes. And that I appreciate. And I was like, this is like beautiful in a way that I like. It's like, I don't know. I watch a lot of crappy TV, but like it was good good representation written by the right people. And I was like, that feels like a Netflix thing I should provide my money to. I want to I want to quickly plug like you if anyone here is a big Disney fan like I am Disney's Turning Red. Yes. It is such a masterpiece. I am biased oh, because yeah. it is in based in Toronto and I'm like, "Oh my god, an Asian immigrant family in Toronto. Can I be more seen right now?" <laughs> <laughs> and like if you're like a parent that's like I don't know, feeling iffy about talking to your kids about sex. Maybe try something small and and baby steps, like watching Turning Red with them. Because guess what? It's actually about her first period, even though she turns into a red panda. But yeah, <laughs> yeah right. It's like wow, the metaphor is so subtle, <laughs> but also brilliant. Yeah, that's just my piece of media that I have watched like multiple times and love over and over again. Besides media, as in TV shows and uh, movies, where can folks listen to your respective podcasts? How can they book coaching sessions with you? How does everyone find you? So, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sexistentialist. We here appreciate you so much. And if you didn't remember, my name is Tim, host of Sex Ed with Tim, streaming on all platforms. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Sex Ed with Tim. My website is sexedwithtim.com. My books are currently closed, but please keep an eye out as I will open them again for coaching sessions. But in the meantime, check it out. And all throughout Pride, my show is giving listeners 20% off B-Vibe and Lawan Toys, the entire site. So as we were talking about how masturbating and toys is its own form of sex, Go ahead and gift yourself the gift of sex with a rimming plug, with a, I don't know, a Hitachi magic wand, and just give yourself a big orgasm. Happy Pride. Woo! Am I supposed to follow that up? I guess I can try. (laughs) Um, So Embarrassed to Ask is similarly on all 
platforms. Um, Instagram is embarrassed to ask. I also consult on the side. So any like curriculum development specifically around LGBTQ sex side is something I love to do and would love to do more of. Um, Otherwise, the podcast has free episodes every other week, episodes on Patreon on the opposite weeks for as little as a dollar a month. And I think they're fun. And you should all join. Lovely. Hi, this is Ari. And I am the host of the Sensual Podcast. Um, You can follow us on Instagram at Sensual Podcast. We will be getting a TikTok. I will be trying to reach Gen Z pretty soon. It will probably be the same (laughs) handle. Yes, you, Ellie. (laughs) It will be at Sensual Podcast. (laughs) So it's going to be... S-E-N-S-U-E-L-L-E podcast. And if you are looking into booking me for a personal um, coaching session, I do sensual healing intensive sessions where we do deep dives into some somatic stuff. I'm also a yoga and burlesque teacher. So those are all kind of intertwined into my modalities as well. Um, my books are open. And uh, if you use the code sensual10, you get 10% off any coaching service. So S-E-N-S-U-E-L-L-E 10. And yeah, hit me up. I am ready to help all the bisexuals. Oh, And I have a group coaching (laughs) cohort coming up um, this summer. Uh, It's called Getting By, B-I. And that is specifically a cohort for uh, novice and late-blooming bisexual women and vulva owners uh, looking to re-educate yourself with some queer sex ed as well as uh, just get affirmed in your bisexuality because I just read a statistic well, this, I didn't just read this statistic. I keep reading it and it keeps making me angry. Um, there is this um, bisexuality uh, report by, I don't remember what it is. I will give it to you later, M. But um, bisexuals make up 52% of the LGBTQ community. Wow. And that is crazy to me. That's like from different um, academic studies done throughout the world. And I think this is released in 2017. LGBTQ map, I think it is. Um, but that is crazy to me. And the if y'all want to look up this report, it's called the Invisible Majority Report. Um, it's amazing. And I think it is really affirming just to shout out to my bisexuals out there. Like you do exist. You are out there. We are the Invisible Majority in LGBTQ. We just don't get a lot of the resources and the same visibility. So that's why I'm creating these safe spaces. So Oh. Follow me at sensual.education for all the things and some bi-affirming content. Maybe I should come out as bisexual, as in you buy my content, I become sexual. You know. Yes, that too. I'm a bisexual in that case as well. <laughs> On that such good note, Tim always leaves me with like such a little good nugget. Um, thank you all so much this has been so fun everyone i will link link to all of those amazing things uh below so check my show notes um thank you all again for coming this has been uh, a, a pride fied version of sex essentialist and we'll catch you next time <laughs> insert outro music here <laughs> 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 <laughs>